Hello everyone and welcome to the Casa Podcast. This is your boy Kojo again and I'm really excited to get into this episode because man, this studio is buzzing. I have new faces and a few old faces and I have some returning tribe members. They've been away for so long. I almost forgot their names but Nana is in the building, Justin is here, Chris is also here with us and Efia Yeboah. Our precious Efia Yeboah mm-hmm. is back. Efia, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a while. I know. I miss the set so much. Where have you been? I've been around. I have not been anywhere. I've just had a couple of trips, adventure <laughs> trips <laughs> here and there. Oh, is but that right? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back for good. Hmm. I don't think I'll be going for You, you promise not to leave us again? I can't. Promise? <laughs> 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 I'm not going to leave again. Okay, yeah. okay. And Chris is back. Chris, it's been a while. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. I see your beard is growing. you got like three more inches of beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you trying to join the beard gang? I'm, I'm already in the beard gang. Oh, you yeah, are? Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. Do you have a position in there? Not yet. I'm, oh. I'm just a member now. Member. Yeah. Very soon you'll be the president of the beard gang. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm hoping to be there. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Three um, times in a row, right? Yeah. Hat trick. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm observing the beard gang and the, I've just been around <laughs> gang and I'm trying to figure out where I fit in here. <laughs> <laughs> Nana, first Hello. time on the podcast. How are you doing, Nana? Doing well. Honored to be here. I'm not in the beard gang, unfortunately. I'm hey. trying to, to get in the beard gang. You're trying to get in. I know someone who can get you in. Oh, yeah? His name is Chris. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys i hope everybody had a great week let's dive into the weeks how was the week how was our week your week how was my week yeah. my week was good it's it was so relaxing i almost forgot what it felt like to not have any work i submitted my first manuscript on monday and since monday i've not done anything i think i didn't open my computer for like two days and i'm like it feels good to not have any deadlines and anything to look forward to. I had a few interesting events. I had some parties yesterday, and Nana and I were at an event where we met some royalty, some chess royalty. Mm-hmm. So I met the a three-time national champion yep. uh, in, in Ghana, a chess, t- probably is a master or something. I'm sure he's a master. Oh, yeah, I'm sure name, yeah. <laughs> he's a chess master, and then he, he gave us a lot of advice because Nana and I have been trying to play chess, but he beats me so much I don't want to do it again. <laughs> but yeah, I had a great week. I had a great week. How was your week? Um, I think it was relaxing. The, um, the week before was very tiring, so I just wanted to take time off and then relax mm-hmm. and not do anything. So mm. the whole week, I don't think I did anything productive. Mm. Yeah, that's the truth. I was just relaxing, and then on Friday, I had a little get-together. Mm. A Friday night. Mm. How did that go? It was it was fun. Mm. Mm-hmm, it was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Justin, how was your week? Uh, my week was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been saying for the last three weeks now, every time I'm on the podcast, that uh, I'm ex- that I, I'm adjusting mm-hmm. to to classes being over. Mm-hmm. So now it's been three weeks. I mm-hmm. can't really say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so I had a good week. Uh, actually, I think two or three times this week I've been on campus, mm-hmm. just hanging out, and um, I keep running into like parents or mm-hmm. tour groups, mm-hmm. and they always ask me. Uh, 
where are all the kids? Did you, did you, did you finish finals? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that was two or three weeks ago. So every, everything's closed, but welcome to campus. <laughs> so I've had a good week. Nice. That's good. That's good. You didn't have any secret parties you, you want to share, right? No, 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 no secret parties. Hung out, hung, hung out, hung out at City Slice a little bit. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. How was that? It was good. I had you tried Irish car bombs for the first time. Yes, I survived three rounds of Irish car bombs. Three rounds. Look, to be honest, I know a group within which you would feel like a newbie if you only took three rounds. Because I, I think people went for six, seven, probably 12 rounds of car bombs. <laughs> and it, it, it can leave a few people hangover. But yeah, three rounds is a good start. Next time, we'll take you to the big leagues where you probably do like 12 or 15 rounds. Yeah. Dr. Quetzinha, <laughs> yeah. you think so? Yeah. Why do you think so? Do you have a story with a oh, car bomb? On, yeah, on Friday I tried the Irish car bombs. Wow. Yeah, it was it was great. It was? Yeah. What 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 goes into the car bomb? <laughs> Tell us about the car bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and so you there's so the main I'll say the main thing is the Guinness. Uh -huh. And then you have we so we had Jameson uh -huh. and then we had Bailey's. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so it's Guinness, Jameson, and Bailey's. Yeah. And you put all that together for one round. Yes. And Justin went for three rounds. So <laughs> nice. And how many rounds of car bomb did you have? Could you count? I, I don't think I can. I can't remember. <laughs> but. <laughs> how was your week? How was your week? Oh, Aside the car bombs. Oh, how it was, was great. The week was great. So mm -hmm. lots of movies. Mm. Um, doing a few. Just getting ready for summer classes and all that. Nice movies. Yeah. What movie did you see? So I, I think in college I was watching Designated Survivor. Mm -hmm. I didn't finish it. Okay. So I think this is the time I, I I decided to start all over again. Nice. Yeah. So I I, I watched like an episode or two of that. I need to start over and yeah. watch it. I think it, it was. I like Kifa, so I would probably like it again. I'll definitely check it out. But. Your your mention of movies is putting some ideas in my head. Maybe maybe one of these days we'd have to talk movies. We might have to dive into this whole movie thing and get a few things going. Nana, how was your week? How was your week? So good, uneventful. I started a new project with my work, so I've been mm -hmm. busy with that. Mm. What project is this? With Pepsi. Oh. Pepsi, yeah. So you started drinking Pepsi for work? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. You clock in in the morning and like, I have two bottles of Pepsi. Mm -hmm. And this is only nine. Okay. And what else? What else did you get into aside work? Movies. Like, in, I'm a big movie guy. Mm. What I did you use in what? movie with Denzel Washington called Flight. Uh, about a pilot who steers a plane that's going down, but he's drunk. Mm. But he steers it and saves a lot of lives, but then he has to, like, battle in court. Yeah. I I, I, <laughs> I would not I don't care how my pilot how safely he lands I would not like my pilot to be a little intoxicated no uh, that sounds like a cool movie but yeah everybody's talking about movies we definitely have to oh yeah get an episode of movies time and just ever I watch a series I watch episode one to four continues see wait you watch four episodes of uh of a show. show for the first time ever yeah wow is that binge watching for you like, i know it's <laughs> like no like i don't i'm not so consistent like i move from one to yeah. i was pause and do something else and come and continue 
But yesterday, I watched everything to episode four. episodes. Four. Uh, <laughs> skewed. Nah, skewed. We watch entire shows. Mm. I, I can't tell you the number of shows I just started, don't stop till I'm done. And so four episodes sounds cute. <laughs> but it's, it's good. It's a start. Mm -hmm. Soon you'd catch yourself like me watching 22 episodes. I can do that. And listen, they're like an hour per episode. <laughs> and so you, you yeah, realize... this one was almost an hour. Hmm. Almost. So I was so proud of myself. We're, yeah. we're proud of you too. Yeah. Hopefully soon you join the gang. But it looks like everybody had a great week. We're about to dive into the conversation. Um, this conversation basically stems from what we started last week. Where we, we, we did books, books, books last week. And Faustina was kind enough to throw us onto another topic, which was TED Talks. Because she talked about Chimamanda's um, TED Talk and all the things she learned about it. So today we're going to dive into a few TED Talks we've watched ourselves, talk about the highlights, um, the things we learned from it. And if there are any terrible TED Talks we've seen or misleading TED Talks, because I don't think the TED Talk itself would be terrible, but some TED Talks have names and titles that get you into the talk and you realize that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. I've seen a few, I have a few written down that we might get into very disappointing TED Talks, but <laughs> yeah, we're also going to get into some major ones. So before we start, I'm just going to put this question out there. like. How many of us would call ourselves like serial talk, TED talk listeners? <coughs> serial ones. Unfortunately, not me. For you know, sure. are you, <laughs> Justin, are you a serial TED talk listener? Um, well, you know, I haven't heard that many people named Ted, mm. but when they talk, I think <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, when I, a few years ago, I used to be really into TED talks. Mm -hmm. I watched a lot of them, and uh, then when this podcast came up, mm -hmm. I started watching them again, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's just amazing how many there are. Because I, you know, I think I had watched like maybe 30 or 40 a mm -hmm. few years ago, and I've gone back now, and there's like thousands of them, and yeah. I, I haven't seen yeah. most of them. Yeah. The goal, the goal is to finally end up on a TED Talk. <laughs> It'll be a good goal. When you have something that's worth sharing sure. with the world. But yeah, I've, I've not been a very active listener of TED Talks myself, but whenever we're starting TSF, we had to meet with TEDxLSU, so I had to watch a lot of the stuff they had, the talks they had put out. And from time to time, I see a TED talk and I'm like, yeah, I, I want to hear that, or I want to see that. But I don't think I'd call myself a serial TEDist yet. Does <laughs> 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 the name give to them? <laughs> but yeah, we're going to, no, I just made that up. I don't think it's going to be good, but. <laughs> yeah, we're going to dive into them and get the conversation going. Um, I don't know. Ifia looks like she's, she's ready to... I look ready. I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> you don't think you're ready? Who, who's going to get the ball rolling? Let's, let's jump into any of them. Just throw the title out there and let's, let's hop in. So there's uh, kind of a short TED Talk. I think it's about five minutes that mm -hmm. I like. Uh, called um, How Algorithms Shape Our World by mm -hmm. Kevin Slavin. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I'll try not to give away too much about it, but it starts off with this really interesting uh, moment. He's on an international flight with a uh, Hungarian physicist, mm -hmm. and the physicist is telling him a story about how he worked to defeat um, the stealth technology that the U.S. was using mm -hmm. on planes mm -hmm. during the Cold War, 
and the um, <clears throat> Kevin Slavin says, "Well, what do you do now?" And he says, "Well, I work on Wall Street." Mm. And so um, the rest of the talk is uh, Kevin uh, talking about the way that um, algorithms shape uh, all of these parts of, of everyday life, mm -hmm. um, even outside of Wall Street trading, mm -hmm. um, and it's you know becoming more and more um, a focus and it's kind of invisible. People don't even realize it's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a really um, like thought-provoking TED Talk. That's an interesting one. And even when we're talking to the director of TEDxLSU, she kind of gave me an idea of how these TED Talks are formatted, like the structure, right? She tells you how to walk through your with your presenter on what you're going to talk about. So it's always interesting to hear the very first line or the very first idea the the author um, the speaker puts out and looks like with this talk he's talking to a physicist who is now on Wall Street, which is becoming a very funny enough is becoming a very regular pattern. I know a lot of engineers who are on Wall Street and I'm like physicist engineer like biochemical engineer what are you doing on Wall Street? It looks like yeah, I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just he, mm -hmm. and he actually he starts um, before he starts telling the story about the physicist he shows a couple of um, famous photos mm. of, uh, mm. it's a couple of uh, famous mountain peaks. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the photo, it looks just like you're looking at this photo of the mountain, mm -hmm. but actually um, the artist has gone in <laughs> and re-rendered the photo uh -huh. so that the mountain tracks the um, peaks of the Dow Jones Industrial Index. <laughs> and so <laughs> that goes into the rest of his talk uh -huh. about how um, these uh, financial industries and mm -hmm. algorithms mm -hmm. writ large really shape mm -hmm. so many aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. And in the same way you don't realize that's what you're looking at in the photo, you mm -hmm. don't really realize it in your everyday life mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. you start realizing what you're looking for. That That's an interesting one. And, and what's the title of the talk again? How um, how algorithms shape our world. How algorithms shape our, shape our world. Again, just like the other episode, I'm going to put the titles of all these TED Talks in the description of this podcast. And again, I'm going to do like I did the last time, put the person who suggested it in, 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 in brackets next to it, so that if you watch it and it's not that good, you can put their name down. No. <laughs> I'm never going to take a recommendation from a fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they so, all know so my recommendations are good. They all know. Every all the listeners. What recommendations have you given on the podcast since we started? Music recommendation, first date recommendation. I've done a lot, could you? I, I would leave the listeners to be the judge of that, but we're gonna go back into the TED Talks. Nana, do you have a TED talk for us you want to talk about? Unfortunately I can't really call myself a serial TEDist before. <laughs> One thing I have noticed though is that mm -hmm. like, I feel like people give TED Talks or give the platform of TED Talking to people mm -hmm. who may not really have much to say hmm. about TED Talks. For example, mm -hmm. like celebrities who mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you wouldn't really think like what can he or she tell me about mm -hmm. this, but I think because they're a celebrity, they get the platform. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I've noticed about mm -hmm. TED Talks. Yeah, I, I have always wondered, but, but I've seen a lot of great speakers on there. People I wouldn't have seen or heard about or read but it looks like some people also sneak onto the tent stage and you're like how did he get there sneak yeah some speakers make you yeah have you not seen any that you you're questionable about the no oh really mm -hmm. okay wait yes i want to talk about that have, 
Ty Lopez. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm saying? That's the mm-hmm. guy, he go, he just goes around trying to sell marketing courses to mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and he rents out houses to mm-hmm. film these video shoots. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's any evidence that he's actually like a business success. Mm-hmm. But he got a TED Talk mm-hmm. at some random TEDx event. That's a great example, yeah. There you go. There you go, if you oh, <laughs> It looks like some people sneak onto the TED stage and you're like... But I, I, do, I do have a question for Nana. As a... Uh, would you consider yourself an anti-Tedist? <laughs> could, you, could you elaborate on this? I don't want to get controversial here. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an anti-Tedist. I think there's a lot of value in TED Talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what and, you pointed out. And I feel it's gotten progressively better. To be honest, TED Talks of when you see the earlier ones, the ones from very early on, and the ones they're doing, like the recent ones, you realize they've shrunk the time, and then the quality has gone up. Mm-hmm. So at first, they used to be like 20 minutes long. And 20 minutes for TED Talk wasn't so bad, but I realized, I, I kind of felt people kept going on tan- off on tangents, and they, they, they diluted the message so much. But these days, you have like 8 to 10 minutes, some are even five minutes long, and they're like straight to the point. I saw someone mm-hmm. talk about ranked choice voting, and she explained everything she had to explain in like 15 minutes. I'm like, there you go, because I know a friend who has a six-hour video on ranked choice voting. <laughs> six hours. <laughs> I won't tell the story here, but one day, I'll can tell you, you the story you, can about Can you imagine if we implemented that timing idea in real life? It, it, it will be helpful. Though. It will be helpful. So? Chris, yeah. are you going to dive into your TED Talk? Okay, so before one of our episodes for mm-hmm. the podcast, we spoke about listening, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I watched one TED Talk about listening. Mm-hmm. That was on, um, it was from Julian Treasure. Mm-hmm. I think how to speak for people to listen. Oh. You just stole mine. Oh. <laughs> you just I'm glad you did. What are the odds? What are the odds? <laughs> are the odds? And I know most of the points we we spoke about over mm-hmm. here was was in there and it was very short. It was about twelve minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a short one. Very short one. Now that you mentioned it and since it's my own, now we're going to have a real conversation <laughs> about it. So would you give the overview and then we can dive okay, into so it? The first thing he spoke about was your voice, mm-hmm. yeah, like the your like how you how you speak. Mm-hmm. If you want someone to listen, how you how you 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 first, I don't know how to modulate your voice. Yeah, yeah, how to put out your voice, and then he also spoke about um, <laughs> help out. You, you want me to jump in? Yeah, jump in. Okay, so I feel this is one of the most viewed TED Talks. Like, it's one of the top 25. And really? Yeah. yeah. So TED ranks all the content, and they rank the one people are really interested in. And I think this is like number 12. It's how to speak so that people listen. And he gave, first he gave the seven crimes people commit when they're speaking. Yeah. And the first, he talked about gossip. Like, if you if you're always gossiping, nobody's gonna pay attention to you. Like you don't get people to listen to you when you're always full of gossip. He talked about negativity. He talked about um, complaining, complaining yeah. excuses, exaggeration, and my favorite was dogmatism. Yeah, 
He's like the people who do not even know the difference between facts and the opinions. Yeah. They mix them all up. So they present their opinions as though it was fact, right. and they present facts as though it was opinion. And it's like, if you really want people to listen to you, it's one of the things you have to stop doing. You have to present facts, thy facts, and your opinion as opinion. And so after he went through this, he went through, he's like, our voice is a toolbox, and people don't know how to, you know, there's so many different things in your toolbox that you can use, and depending on whatever, he said it so <laughs> interestingly, he's like, depending on what engine you're going to work on, you select the tools you're going to use, right? Mm -hmm. And so he talks about, like, first, he talked about four things that would improve your, your speech, right? So he talks about um, honesty, authenticity, integrity, and um, love. He's like, you should speak truth. Like, I mean, if you if you want people to pay attention to you, you should be honest. You should be authentic. He's like, stand in your truth. Standing in your truth is being authentic. Like, it, it might not be what people would want to hear, but be authentic. Don't copy people. If you want people to listen to you, don't be a copycat because people would rather go listen to the original than, mm -hmm. you know, the, the copycat. And he talked about integrity and love. He's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, if someone is looking very ugly, you don't walk up to him like, oh, you look ugly today. <laughs> it could be honest, but it has to be done in love. So he's like, if you combine honesty, authenticity, integrity, and love in your speaking, people would love to listen to you. And then he goes into the toolbox where he talks about things like volume, like prosody, like um, timbre. That was that was the first time I heard that one. But he's like, <laughs> it, like don't speak in a monotone. Like you have to be able to. And he, he talked about pace, and he mentioned something that I even on in in, in podcasting and radio and TV, silence. You can use silence to make your speech better. He talks about like taking breaks in between. It's like don't fill them with like ums and uh. Sometimes people just put that in their language. It's like just speak. If you have nothing, just take a pause, breathe in, and then you speak. And it would help improve the things you the things you say, and people would listen to you. It, it's a really nice one, Julian. How Treasure. long was it? It's like twelve minutes, maybe. Not very long. It's one of those bite-sized ones that... It's actually... Yeah, very Julian Treasure. Yeah. You guys should for, check it for out. For that short minute that mm -hmm. you could get this note mm -hmm. from it, yeah. it looked like it had good quality. It, 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 it's good. Everything, it's the good physical one. aspect of public speaking mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and mental. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a really good point about um, like the spacing of, of, of what you're saying and like mm -hmm. using these pauses because mm -hmm. I don't think... like naturally we always think about what we're doing with speaking mm -hmm. and so you kind of just have that assumption of oh I'm just kind of putting out what is in my mind already mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you but what you're really trying to do is put something out in a way that someone else is going to mm -hmm. be able to understand it the same way you're understanding it right mm -hmm. and so you know if it's like very um, serious content mm -hmm. or something that needs to be taken in in a certain way those pauses are really essential to mm -hmm shaping how it's perceived mm -hmm. and it's not just kind of you know spitting out what's in your brain it has if you want it to be received in the same way that you're understanding it you have to take advantage of like all of those tools mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, and I feel again it's a good recommendation. I'd recommend everyone take a look at it, okay. and and I think it's one of those ones you'd watch a couple of times. I think I've seen it like three times, right? Wow. And I always go back to it because I never really get bored. He's he's a funny guy. He presents it in a very lovely way. You might think at a point you might think you're watching a comedy show, but then he's actually demonstrating. Like when he talks about pitch. He'll show you a higher pitch that you don't want to listen to. Then he, so he does this. He is a Julian Treasure is a good one, and he has a few ones. He has one about listening to, and so yeah, it's it's one of the TED talks I'll definitely recommend you check out. Like to your point about spacing, mm-hmm. when I think of spacing, I think of Nelson Mandela. He's oh, yeah. probably one of the best oh, at yeah. pausing at the right time. Oh, yeah. so his message is well received. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I don't know if you if you saw this, but they say Obama used to be one kind of politician until he met Mandela, <laughs> and so he used to be a classic, you know, young, vibrant speak like all over the place. Then he met Mandela, and he came back and he tore it down, and and it happened to a lot of great leaders. Margaret Thatcher, before she went into office and after, like the time she was leaving, was a very different speaker. She she was very high pitched, very you know, exuberant, and then she slowed it down, lowered her register a bit, and then really slowed down. Mandela would speak so slow that you'd want to listen. Mm-hmm. He 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 you're, he's not in a rush. You're not dictating the speed at which he's speaking, and so he carries everybody with him. You follow. You're attentive. You don't want to miss anything. You're hanging off of every word he yeah. says. Yeah. He, he was a great orator, man. Ah, these are great people to definitely look up to and learn a few things from. But yeah, Julian Treasures, How to Speak so that everybody would listen is a very good one. <laughs> I didn't good know one. it was something you were supposed to learn how to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, he even talks about hiring, if you really are interested in speaking, hire, hire a speaking coach. Like, it's, it's a thing. If you want to make it in 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 politics in you know in all those things they they hire people to teach them how to speak because it's one thing having the content delivery is also everything like <laughs> yeah delivery is delivery would make a terrible speech good we were speaking about that yesterday with Elon Musk mm-hmm. like he's, he's yeah. an undeniable genius mm-hmm. but i think when it comes to conveying what he wants to say people look at him like uh, he needs help he needs help he needs help he he's great you can see his you know, the engines are turning, but once he, he begins to walk you through, it's like, what is this guy going on about? <laughs> and it's funny, he, he had, to, Adam said it was the worst SNL he's seen, and he's watched every single episode <laughs> of SNL. And so, yeah, delivery, and, and, and again, the podcast, um, TED Talks like these ones give you so much, like, you can all, it can always start a conversation. These are some of the ones you can watch, talk to your friends about it, and go watch again. And I feel, yeah, it's a good recommendation. I don't know if I'm going to put down that down as Chris's recommendation <laughs> or no, my it's recommendation. Chris, it's Chris's recommendation. I, I think would, would, it would be Slash. the Crinjo. <laughs> <laughs> the Crinjo recommendation. But it's a good one. That's a good one, Chris. If yeah. Yes. Which one are you going to talk about? I, I watched one from a Shaolin, is it Shaolin? Is that how they pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a Shaolin monk. And it was just his entrance, like his 
how he started the whole thing that mm-hmm. made me get glued to it. I, mm-hmm. I forgot him, but I think it was five hindrances to self mastery or self discovery. I'm not really sure. You're not but sure of the title of the podcast because mm, uh, I was just focused on him. But it's five hindrances to self mastery or self discovery. Guys, if you're listening, I'm going to find the title and I'll put that in the description. Thank you. If you are your boy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he he gave a scenario about how he started with like a story mm-hmm. about people climbing a mountain. Mm. And then people the people that got to the peak of the mountain came down to tell the people down there that oh, it's like this up there and it's like you don't need to go there. I can tell you how it looks like. Mm. So his point is that Every, everyone's life is so unique that you don't need someone to tell you like an experience right like you don't need someone to tell you, you have to experience it yourself hmm. one of the most difficult thing is for someone to put an experience into words and th- you have everyone has a unique path so the way one would take to get to the top of the mountain might be different hmm. he'll tell you oh I stumbled on a rock I fell I did this but yours might be very different mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you might all get there to the peak but it's different in mm. a different way mm. so if something if you want to do something mm. don't don't be scared to make mistakes basically he didn't say that but just take on the path mm. and the biggest mistake you do is not to start at all you mm. don't start like because oh someone told me this so I think that is how it is. I don't want to try it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's something you want to mm-hmm. do it. And then starting but not ending. Mm. Like you get distracted on the way and then your mm. whole focus gets uh, diverted. And then, you know, what you weren't there for, you're not in there for it. You're mm. on some, some other path. It's not, he said, it's not bad to get distracted yet. But then find your way back to your truck and then make sure you get to the top. Mm. So the hindrances he pointed out were sensual desires, Mm -hmm. like your senses, what you see, what you feel, what you Mm -hmm. hear, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you saw something, I want to see this, then you leave your truck. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he talked about ill will, having less like your state of mind, Mm. whether you are really into it, are you motivated to do it? Is Mm -hmm. that what you want to do or is because you've had it? And then he talked about dullness of the state of it. You're not motivated. You don't have any any interest. Mm. Like, there's no spark in there that wants you to do it. Most people do a lot of things because they've heard it's good. Or they just want to please other people. Is this something you really want to get there? And then he talked about practice. Mm. Because it's something you want to master. Mm-hmm. Someone, you do it one time and then you stop but that is not how you get to the mushy level mm. you get focused to the end even if you're not perfect you fall up one or two times just get back to your track the most important thing is you get to the peak you go off you see something interesting you go there and then when <coughs> your brain is has a lot of stimulation like restlessness you, you think about a lot of things it's so difficult to be focused like you can't do one thing at a time it's not a bad thing though, but then when you need to master something, you have to have a focus that you move towards it. Like something you want to see. And I watched another another TED talk that talked about how to concentrate and how to focus. So basically, I'm trying to push, push it in to make it easier and more understanding. I like what you said at the beginning. I'm, I'm interested to know, you said it's 
stage presence. He was glued on him. What about his stage presence? Was so oh, I don't. I think they have a thing with um Shaolin monks when they are talking. There's this bug on music and the calmness. Oh. Like <laughs> it's so calm that you want to. He he takes it like a journey. You start and you don't want to stop. It's very calm and the sound and the background, how he talks, how he breaks things down for you to understand his calmness, his delivery process, everything about him, like the aura, makes you want to watch him, like listen to him. I need to watch this. You should. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want you to bring in the second one because we, we have to sort of get into some of oh, the things okay. you mentioned, right? Okay. And so like giving us time to breathe and because <laughs> there's so many things when you started, like Nana, there's several things you said I wanted to, but I was like, okay, let me wait and see if it, it all comes together. But because there were a lot of places I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with some of those. Well things. you wouldn't, but he was he basically talked about like what he was talking about was how to master yourself. Mm -hmm. So he gave, he started with the things that hinders you and gave mm -hmm. points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he gave a, something like a scenario mm. that mm. people want to climb a mountain and then when they get to a part, they get distracted, mm -hmm. they fall off and all kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he advised before he even gave the points that you, to, you should look out for, like the hindrances mm -hmm. that makes you master yourself or your mm -hmm. craft. I think it will be, again, it's one of those ones I, I want to check out. I want to hear and see, because <laughs> I think you, <laughs> you had the spa look. music and you're like, yep, this is the talk. Oh, he f Chris yeah, found it. Found yeah, it. again, I'm going to put all the recommended TED Talks in the description of the podcast and the goal is to get the conversation around the podcast, uh, the talk going, so that people can go and check it out. People can go and watch it for themselves. So, yeah, we'll all go see this monk you're talking about, and hopefully, we would learn a few things. But it it sounds like an interesting one, and that, like I was saying, I would hear what he has to say. Because there are some things you said, and you you actually said he did not say that, but I am saying I'm like. Well, that's, that's what he implied. Okay. You see, he would say maybe restlessness, but after he explains it, you will see it as unsettling mind. Like somebody that has, is, your mind is so stimulated, you're not able to focus on one thing. That is, it's not someone that is restless, like, you know, that kind of thing. He is talking about having too many things to focus on, you're not able to pinpoint one thing. So for you to master your craft, you should choose one thing and then do it. I think Leonardo should definitely have spoken to this monk because I feel at the end of Leonardo's death, that was one of the criticisms he had. He was excited about doing so many things that he has. He only finished only about five paintings in his life. Da Vinci, I mean. <laughs> he started so many things and never finished. Like, even his journal, apparently Bill Gates bought it for so much money, and I really want to buy that from him, but <laughs> I don't have that kind of... But yeah, he has so many things. He starts, you know, designing bridges, weapons, and all that. He starts and he never finishes. And so, probably if he had met this monk, he would probably have 
zoned in and would have a lot of masterpieces because he was a genius he was brilliant no, he, at the end of the day you know he's good but it's just a few things of him that we have now and the idea that mm-hmm. he was very good yeah we don't have much of him now if he if he, he, if he focused moved, and kept his mind it. on one thing and finished i i don't know if you guys know the story of when he was commissioned to paint the dome of, of the ch- the, the, and yeah, he took the money. He went. He started. He never finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he just he just started so many things. So apparently, when he died, his his studio or his office had so many paintings that you're like, eh, this is so like new that you can't figure out what he's trying to do. If it's a man, a woman, a human face, like maybe if he had met this monk. But it's a good thing. Generally, it's a good advice, right? A lot of people have so many things going. They have so many irons in the fire that at the end of the day, they make no swords, right? Just focus on things. I mean, and mm-hmm. like if you were saying, it's okay to be distract, di- distracted, but always find your way back. Yeah. You know, I mean, find your way back to whatever you're doing. And I think it's one of those things. An interesting topic that I got from what you were saying earlier when you two were talking, how... Kojo was saying you took something from the TED talk that maybe the speaker didn't actually say, mm-hmm. which I find interesting. Do you think the mark of a good TED talk that the speak the listener is able to take away something that maybe the speaker didn't, didn't say? Oh, it, it, it it's one of those. It's 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 a sword, right? You you're basically giving your listener a sword, right? They can do good with it. And they can do terrible <laughs> things. They can be it. dangerous. It, yeah, <laughs> if if you're given a talk that's so ambiguous that people are left to interpret it however they want, then it gets dicey. I I think a good talk should have a point. That's you know everybody should at least ninety percent of your listeners should get that point. And maybe if there's a ten percent room for people to add their own, I think it's fine. But if you give a talk that is ten percent concentrated and 90 percent make of it what you want I, I i think it's too dangerous it's too dangerous and it's not just public sp- speaking even with your friends right if you speak and what you say can apply to so many things it makes it a bit difficult to you know really get you like it could mean this it could mean that it could be anything right and so i think we should be you know walk people to the to the actual point, if you can. Yeah, and I also thought the uh, point about uh, you know experiencing things for yourself was a really good point mm-hmm. because there's this um, uh, American philosopher from like 50 years ago who he he's he he's a, he was uh, tackling the same idea and he makes this really good point where he says um, if you could put yourself in this m- machine that would and you could say you could say this is exactly what I want to experience. Like, I want to go climb this mountain, and I want to like you know live this full life and do you know this full list of things. Um, and so he gives people the choice, and he basically says, "Would you rather be in this machine where you do all of those things, or would you rather actually do all of those things?" Because on paper, you would think it would be the same, right? You're experiencing the same things. But his point is that um, when we think about like actually doing those things there's something that like makes us human in the fact that we respond to them in the moment and then we reorient ourselves and and there's something about just having the experience described to you or kind of put in you versus actually doing it where you get so much more out of it and 
So your point about um, when the speaker talks about not just having someone describe something to you, yeah. but actually mm -hmm. doing it mm -hmm. uh, resonated a lot because I think we kind of like sometimes are at risk of thinking that those two things are the same because yeah. like you can turn on the TV and watch someone climb a mountain or go do something, so why would you do it? Um, but it, the, it's like an essential part of our humanity that we actually have those experiences mm -hmm. like firsthand. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it, it, whenever she mentioned it, and that, that's one of the reasons I wanted you to wait till the end. I wanted to wait till the end of your submission, was it's one of those things I don't completely agree in a particular context, like you just did. It makes a lot of sense. Don't don't live your life through other people's experiences, right? Don't don't say, oh, Nana climbed a mountain, so I heard about it, so I've climbed a mountain. <laughs> you don't know what it feels like. You don't know what it smells like. You don't know how it, you know, it feels like. I completely agree with that aspect. But it's very dangerous to because people, if you take the same idea and apply it to things like, you know, advice, taking advice from people, you're starting a business. You don't have to fail if people have failed so many times and the, 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 there's a foolproof way to not do it, right? And so Well, this is not to not prevent you from like this is to tell you do the business with your example, right? But then now you can listen to people's experience. By the end of the day, you are still handling the business. Like you are doing the action. So it's not like when you listen to them, what, what the, their experience. You just have to add it up to yours so that you know how to go about it. You get it. <laughs> I know, but I'm still, I, I'm like... No, you <laughs> gave an example about when people have failed business, like handling, um, running a business several times. You don't have to fail also. You can learn from them and handle the business and not fail. Yeah, with this, in this contest, He's not telling you not to do it uh, at all. I'm not, it's not a rebuttal to that. Oh, I was okay. only saying that's why if you wait and listen to the context in which the person made the statement, mm -hmm. then it, and that's why I pointed out in this context, within that context, it's a sound statement. I'm just saying taking that statement alone by itself and running with it can lead to so many mistakes other consequences because uh, for example there's this i don't know if you guys have had the puddle in the rainy night analogy that if two people are walking in the in a, on a dark street after the rains have come down and the person in front keeps stepping in a puddle the person behind them should never step in the puddle because you may we all don't see where the water is but when he steps in the puddle like oops that's whatever. And, and the story goes that the the guy who was walking behind said something silly. He's like, oh, yeah, keep stepping in the puddle so I can avoid the water. And the guy in the front said, I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but it, it goes to say, when you when you watch people close, then that's why even, even sportsmen watch tape. You watch video, right? You see the things that you did wrong or an opponent did wrong. And then you don't repeat that, right? It's good to learn from people's experience. And I'm, it's all about the context in which that statement is framed. So if it's in this context of don't let that hold you back. The, the, I, I said something on the podcast. Their success is for them, right? Mm -hmm. If Nana wins the Champions League, no matter how 
much of a friend I, I, he is to me, it's his Champions League. Mm -hmm. If someone is successful at business, it's their success. You can learn from it and do yours. Don't let that stop you. Oh, all my people are winning, so yeah. No, you should do something, right? Yeah. So if it's starting a business, start it. Don't just look at other people's experience and stop. But you should also take from other people's experience to do better. So mm -hmm. it, it's all about the context in which the statement is put. Okay. That's, that's kind of where I was going with that. Mm. All right, we're going to jump into the next TED Talk before Chris steals another one. How to speak for everyone to listen was kind of my second one. So the first one <laughs> is how. that I was going to talk about is how great leaders inspire action. It was by Simon Sinek, and it was one of the old ones in 2010. That's like a couple of years ago. But he, he talks about, he starts off with the very interesting analogy, right? He's like, what do Apple, uh, Martin Luther King, and one other person have in common? But whenever he asks, what does Apple and Martin Luther King have in common? You're like, what? <laughs> like, I, I was lost. I'm like, they have nothing in common. But then he said they all did something that everybody does. They, they went the wrong way. They went against the grain. And he, he starts off by creating three rings. So he draws three circles and that get progressively bigger. And he talks about the what you do right how you do so the first ring the bigger ring is the what you do the second ring is the how you do it and then the smaller ring is the why you do it and he talks about how people move from the what to the how what is this a cup how do you use it this is how you use it why to drink water right so people move from the what it is to why it is so and it's like to be a leader who inspires action you should do it the other way around you should move from the why to the how to the what. And he's like, people are always going to follow you if you can sell them the why. So he talks about um, how he used an Apple example where they give you the why you're going to buy the product, right? And they talk about security. Like if it's, security should be important to you, you don't want people spying on your web activities. You don't want people spying on your important documents. Now that's the why. Then he goes, how do you do that? Like, well, giving us your money. <laughs> for what? Yeah, for this food. So they move from the why to the how to the what. And he's like, the why is always the dream. And great leaders inspire you with the dream. And he makes a funny joke like, every politician has a plan. A five-step plan to eradicate polio. A six-step plan to eradicate this. And it's like, Martin Luther King, if I have a plan speech, I have a dream. When people buy the dream, when you inspire them, they would come up with their plans. They, he, and he talked about how Martin didn't have a website to publicize his speech at the, at the, at the Washington Mall, right? That time, he, he talked to people, he inspired people who went about bringing the people to come and listen to the speech. That he gave the speech to 250,000 people. No ads, no flyers, no commercials, nothing. And so he's like, to be a great thinker, he makes a, this is a quote I wrote, he's like, people don't buy what you do, but they buy why you do it. So 
when people go out there to buy a product, right? And he's like, for example, Dell made music players. Nobody bought them. It's like, why would I buy my <laughs> my music player from Dell? He's like, it's not that they didn't have the technology to do it, but people were not sold on the why. But Apple does the same thing, but and they market it to you like it's the best thing. I'm sure if Apple made cars, people are going to buy it because they don't sell you the product. They sell you a lifestyle. They sell you something bigger than Why so, you should own the product. And so he was like, to inspire action, you should make people believe in why you're doing what you're doing, not what it is you're doing. And when people believe in the why, they, you tell them, this is how we're getting it, they are sold. And so it's like the goal for any leader who wants to inspire people is not to get people to like what you're doing, but to believe in what you're doing, like believe in the why you're doing it. And so, again, that tagline was so great. It's like, that's why Martin Luther didn't say, I have a plan. <laughs> he had a dream, and once he has the dream, people bought into the dream, people were inspired, and they acted, they moved. People buzzed for like eight hours to come listen to the speech, right? And so, yeah, it was, it was what I got from it, and he did present a lot of very interesting things. And this is one of the old ones, so he didn't have like a clicker and a presentation <laughs> was actually writing and drawing on the board, which was funny, <laughs> which was funny. But yeah, that's Simon Sinek's 2010, How Great Leaders Inspire Action. 2010? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a long time. That's a long time ago now. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that one for a minute, because what I think is interesting is um, the way that people, I guess, respond to these kind of ideas, like what's in the, the TED Talk. So I know um, it's really popular now, uh, especially like I'll use an example some, some people can probably relate to. Um, if you're running for like student council in high school or college, everyone likes to put out their videos and their mm -hmm. things saying mm -hmm. like, what's your why? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. And they're like the most uninspiring things you've ever heard. It's mm -hmm. like oh, this is just the best person. It's like, well, they're your best friend. I'm sure you think they're the best person. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting how, like, you know, he talks about using this why, and people have kind of started using that mm -hmm. because they think it sells their argument. Mm -hmm. But if it comes off as, like, inauthentic and not actually mm -hmm. substantive, mm -hmm. it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're saying why or what, mm -hmm. it still isn't effective. And so it's interesting how people have kind of responded to, because, you know, that. they're... They're like corporate coaches that do the same thing. They teach yeah. CEOs how to say yeah. why, mm -hmm. but if it doesn't come across in the proper way or it's mm -hmm. not authentic, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whether you're saying what or why. That, that, that's, that's an interesting thing. So the most important thing here is not the explanation, it's a delivery. Uh, what, you could say why? that. Is what? it a delivery how you say it or what you're actually saying? What it entails? No, so he said people now give out of why mm -hmm. they do something, but it still doesn't come off as authentic. <laughs> so I, I feel this is one of the challenges of social science, right? And for a long time, we always say, what makes the hard sciences easier than social science? You're studying creatures that would change. The carbon atom has not changed since it was discovered. It's been the same, but we're humans. Like, again, like you're saying, this is 2010, right? And he talks about why people are failing. And then people correct, right? We, we learn, we take in the information, we adjust our beliefs. So everybody started with a what, how, why. 
Now they're starting with the why and they're working their way around, like you're saying. And then you talked about being authentic, right? And again, this is why one TED talk wouldn't change your life. Mm -hmm. It's why you have to learn lessons from all these places. Because again, it's a very good example you made. People have caught on. Now people want to tell you why, but the why is not inspiring. So in this case, you go back to the delivery part, right? How to speak so that people will listen. So your why has to be presented in it. But again, I would always think, even his examples, the examples he used then, still hold. Apple still markets them out of everything. They just, they will just sell. Look, Apple can make paper and tell you this is Apple paper. It's going to transform your. And it's true, their market strategy hasn't changed. But I feel, yeah, like if you were saying delivery is important. When you watch an Apple commercial, their security commercial, it still cracks me up now. That woman who was in the, I think she was in the salon, and she was just cracking up. She was laughing. And to date, we don't know what she was looking at that she was laughing because Apple tells you, you have that security that you can watch whatever it is you're watching and nobody knows where you are, you know? But yeah, it, it's, it's the why, it's the how you present your why, and it's why you should watch a lot of TED Talks. And again, Ted didn't pay me for this episode. I'm putting <laughs> that out there. Ted is not a sponsor of this show, but Ted, if you're listening, hey, hey, hey. you know, we can make something happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any other Ted Talks we want to get into before we dive into a few other things? One of the other Ted Talks I had was Paper Towns and Why Learning is Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, it's by John Green. Um, so he's a pretty popular author. He's had a couple, a few of his books made into movies, um, but this particular TED Talk actually deals with um, YouTube and a lot of this uh, kind of like educational content that is out there. Mm -hmm. So he like starts the video by talking about, um, uh, there's a, a, what is basically a paper town, so a town that exists on a map and doesn't exist in uh, reality. And so he uses that as this a vehicle to actually talk about um, like online learning communities mm. and so the idea that when you're on um, YouTube and you're watching educational videos or even something like TED Talks you're actually interacting with the, with these people who are part of this online community even though you're not in a physical space mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he talks about you know his own journey starting a YouTube channel where he shares educational content um, but his kind of central idea is that you know you can go onto the TED YouTube channel or these other channels and you can be a part of this online learning community. You know, you don't have to be like a high school student or a college mm -hmm. student. Mm -hmm. It's something you can do like your whole life. Mm -hmm. um, it's like really this natural human activity to mm -hmm. be interested in learning, even if it's random topics. Um, and he even makes the point, he talks about, you know, random um, topics from like physics or mm -hmm. literature that he learned in high school and he says, you know, I use this every day of my life. No, I don't use it in my job, but it enriches my life because mm. I know it and I'm mm. able to relate to the world around me in a different way because mm. I know these individual things that mm. I've learned. Mm. Um, and so yeah, it, it was just a really, um, a really inspiring TED Talk uh, because I think everyone has that experience like when you're watching a TED Talk and you learn something interesting mm -hmm. and it's like a very gratifying experience, but mm -hmm. you wouldn't necessarily say like, you wouldn't say like, oh, I'm, you know, like, I'm not at, I, I'm not in school anymore, or those kind of things, right? You don't mm -hmm. think about it the same way. Mm -hmm. um, 
but there's like a reason that it makes you feel good to learn. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. And given our current, I don't know when this talk was given. Do you remember the date? Uh, I think it was like five or six years ago at least. Oh, little did he know that in 2020, <laughs> that was going to be our life. Online school was going to be the thing. But given how the world played out, I feel being part of that community, being part of that online space where people just, I, I remember when I was in Ghana, there's this program in Python class that MIT put out. And it's actually even on their YouTube channel now. And to be a part of it, just watching the videos, it felt as though, yeah, I mean, MIT, I'm learning from the <laughs> best brains on the world, on the planet, right? It, 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 it's something that was catching on. And I know, yeah, five, six years ago, it didn't feel as though it was going to be our lives. But speaking as people who's, who've been through 2020, we know <laughs> that being part of that online community could, could be your life. It, yeah. It's become so big. Internet spaces. Like, <laughs> I said spaces, and I just went back to Twitter spaces. Like, <laughs> now we have so many communities forming, and we're all part of this, um, not paper town, but online town, mm -hmm. where we, we interact with material and content. and. Even my dissertation idea came from a YouTube video I watched. And so there's so much we learn that we actually do apply in our lives all day, every day. I, I watched one that... Yeah, you say your mom thing. Yeah, I don't think he really did well with what he's delivering everything. Because <laughs> he didn't touch everything, you know, everything no, I wanted him to touch on. But I think he did something. Like, he talked about a few things. He was talking about unwavering focus. Like... Mm -hmm how to concentrate mm -hmm. i think he talked about how people are not taught to concentrate but they are expected to know how to concentrate but i was expecting him to teach how to concentrate because that is my problem <laughs> <laughs> so you went into that tech talk expecting him to solve your particular yeah, problem he could have ah. given some he helped but i think it wasn't enough because it was a terrible he talk. He talked about practicing it. Like, it's, if you want to master the act of concentration, he described the, the mind as a vast space where you have different things like your interest in there, like trees planted in there. And then your awareness is what's... So when the awareness goes to a particular tree, let's say one of your interests, it lifts up the place. So it's how to keep the awareness at one place, not to make you wander around. Mm. That is how you concentrate. Mm. I think you made a point there because he was able to get the whole room to, like he was able to take everyone's mind somewhere else. He tells you to sit upright, close your eyes. When was the last time you went here? You went to a wedding. What did you wear? How was the event? What did you eat? You know, he was able to get you to think about the last time you did something. But then I feel like, okay, you're making me do this. But on a normal, if I want to sit and concentrate and do my work, do I have to? <laughs> How am I going to get the work done? But he touched on a few things I feel like people should know. That to be able to concentrate, it's more about your awareness. So maybe you want to get close, like start reading or doing your assignments. You think about more things about the assignments things related to the assignments, the work, then your mind starts picking on, oh, let me see, let me see if I can do this work, let me, you know, it's not like I want my brain to be there, it's not like that, 
just be aware of what you have to do and when the awareness is there for some time you begin to concentrate hmm. you know i think he didn't touch on it completely <laughs> but he said something that i think <laughs> i like your critique and how you just submitted the whole thing so she's like, yeah, he did touch on <laughs> what I wanted him to touch on. But yeah. he touched on so many things. He did, he did. It's like he went in there with, with an expectation, and because he did not meet that particular expectation, mm. you don't feel as good about the... Because the topic was unwavering focus. So I was expecting him to teach how to be focused mm. for at least an hour or two. I, I can <laughs> see how, and at the beginning of the show, that's one of the things I mentioned. Some of the topics make you go in with with an expectation and yeah. you realize that's not even what they're talking about and so i i, I definitely feel your 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 pain but yeah it, it, it's like that mm -hmm. yeah i think the talks get too too um theoretical they don't give any practical way to apply yeah, the talks get too theoretical when you get too conceptual you're mm -hmm. not able to take anything out of it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and and again that's the thing theory and discussing things in theory is a fun thing but it's very not so helpful right because i mean we can talk about the theory of ethics but if we don't tell people how to actually be ethical like it's just like reading an old philosophy book like one of those on ethics i think plato has one mm. the title of the book is on ethics yeah he discusses very complex ideas and it's like how does that make me a good person? Like <laughs> you're you're not speaking to me. And so you yeah, know, from the talk he mentioned that most often parents will tell their kids concentrate on your work, concentrate on this, but they don't really tell them how to do it. So his his idea was that they should practice it. So if you want to teach someone how to concentrate, maybe on their work, you start discussing that with them. Talk about the work. Maybe it's food, you can talk about food, what you enjoy, so that their minds start wondering about food. Hmm. They're able to get to it and then focus on it. He that was the only thing he literally <laughs> said about uh, That's like interesting. I would check it out. You the should. way you're talking about it, it might not make our listeners go check it out. But guys, oh, just check it out and sure. tell us what you think. And again, that's why we start these conversations. To get you also to go check it out and let us know what you think. Just you know, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Let us know what you think about these. I know if yes recommendations are not gonna sit down well with a lot of people and she's gonna get a lot of backlash. Mm -hmm. I'm prepared for it and I'll come read all the comments <laughs> on the show. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll take one more TED talk and then we'll probably head into I know Justin has one. Okay, I'll take yours and then I'll chip in with probably the worst TED talk I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow, this really sets it up good for me. Mine can't be that bad at all. <laughs> um, so my TED talk is uh, The Danger of Silence by Clint Smith. Um, so Clint Smith is a poet and a teacher, writer. Um, he, this is a pretty short TED talk. It's maybe about four or five minutes. Um, but he delivers a really important point. So he starts the TED Talk off by uh, reading a quote from Martin Luther King. He says, um, the danger, uh, no, he's, um, our lives begin to end uh, when we become silent about things that matter. Mm -hmm. So he starts off with that quote, um, and he leads into a personal story about uh, one year, um, he was ca he's Catholic, 
And when he was a kid, uh, one year for Lent, he decided to give up speaking. Hmm. Uh, but he talks about how he had this realization um, that he had given up his voice long before. Uh, because there were things in his life, um, you know, when friends of his were being bullied, um, when he saw things that weren't right, um, and he chose to be silent about those things and not to speak up. Um, and so that, that's really the central point that he raises um, with the TED Talk is really um, what it means when you choose not to speak up um, and the dangers of that. Um, and, you know, he starts off, you know, speaking kind of in prose, but then he goes into this spoken word poem for the second half of the mm. TED Talk. Um, mm. It's really amazing. Uh, the poem itself is amazing. He delivers it uh, very well, but what also kind of puts it over the top is that the poem um, is, is, has these very real life examples of mm -hmm. what happens um, when people choose not to speak up um, and choose not to take action as a result. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. And I feel it's a good recommendation and it's something that could be one of the themes of the, this podcast, right? Where the other day when we're talking about the things we see wrong with society and we're talking about the issue with gender and raising kids differently, right? It was one of the things we, we touched on, that a lot of people don't speak out. We see a lot of things going on around us and we don't use our voice. We, we're just like, you know, let's just keep our head down. It's not happening to me. Don't, don't look, it will go away. It's like, <laughs> it, it, it's something it, I, I realize it's a, it's a common action. I, initially, I thought I was the only one who did that, right? Like if someone is bullying someone, I'm like, don't, don't look, don't, don't, don't look. Don't, nobody called you. But now I realize we've all been complicit for a long time. Giving up your voice is probably one of the worst things you can do, mm -hmm. right? Just speak out. Yeah, and I think, you know, there was a, I think it's called How to Start a Movement, I can't think of the name, but there's another TED Talk where there's a, a speaker who talks about um, what it's like when you're the only one, when, when you see a problem and no one wants to be the first person to say something mm. or do something. Mm. Um, in that TED Talk, they use the example of, uh, you know, basically someone protesting something. No one wants to be the first person who looks crazy. Mm -hmm. When you see one person doing something, you think they're crazy. Mm -hmm. When you see two or three people, it's more acceptable. Mm -hmm. By the time 50 people are doing it, it's normal. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know like that really resonates with me because I had a professor who used to say, um, we would talk about protest, and he would say, if you see, um, would you want to be the one person in the quad protesting something? If you see two <laughs> or three or four people, you might do it. But mm -hmm. if you see that one person, no one wants to be that mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. But we would also talk about how if no one is that first person, nothing will happen. And starts, yeah, yeah. It, it's a good one. I definitely would love to check it out, uh, particularly because of the poem. But <laughs> any, any other thing on the silence bit before I jump into the worst, the worst TED talk I've ever had. I think that should be interesting. Because <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's not just about sh the, 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 the presenter. Her name was Mary Reach. Mary Reach, right? It's not her fault. She delivered it well, but the topic is so misleading. So I'm going to read the topic. The topic is 10 things you did not know about orgasm. Like, now that's something I would like to know. Tell me these 10 things I didn't know about orgasms. And this was delivered in 2009. And yeah, it's been a while. Maybe she has updated it. And the first thing, first thing of the butt is I don't know what number one was. I, I watched it like a couple of times. I'm like, what's number one? She gets straight to number two. 
So if you're listening, just go check it out. <laughs> Maybe you find number one and please just text, tweet it, just put it, let, let us know what number one is. But the things she talks about, it, it's funny. She makes a lot of jokes and, and she she gets a lot of mileage on her jokes. Like she can take one joke and just use it like six different times. And I'm like, yeah, next joke, please. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to learn 10 things I didn't know about orgasms. <laughs> the first thing I learned is that you don't even need genitals for orgasm. That's weird. And she talked about how there are parts of your body that even dead people, and dead people, by dead people, she meant just brain dead people, like clinically dead people can be brought to orgasm and you didn't even need your genitals for orgasm, which, well, I didn't know that, but that's very helpful. Can you tell me about the other one? And she goes on, but <laughs> you can have it. Okay, yeah, so that's the dead part. And orgasms cause mouth order. Yeah, I want to know 10 things about orgasm. Not this kind of thing. <laughs> like, no, that. The is so misleading. And then it cures hiccups. Orgasms he- cure hiccups. I'm like, 10 things, really? These are the 10 things yes. you're going to talk about? Are you trying to go for a comedy? Like, I, I have I no idea. It's like, doctors also prescribed, once used to prescribe orgasm for fertility. Stop rocket science. Mm-hmm kind of have to get there to like how is that prescription oh you want to make a baby you gotta come uh, um duh. <laughs> like uh, come and on people listening that, to this. and that was point number six point number seven pig farmers still do it oh boy. <laughs> wait is that the is that even a point how is that point number seven point number eight female animals are having more fun than we think please uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to know what was the audience's reception to this. Were they, you know, were they receptive at all? In 2009, I think people were just trying to be prim and proper. Very prude. <laughs> people would have been like, That's huge. Young woman, walk off the stage. <laughs> yeah. And then number nine was studying human orgasms is a lot. It's not easy. That's her 10 things we need to know about <laughs> orgasms. Number nine, studying about human orgasms in the lab is difficult. Wait, you know what I'm... Th- think, <laughs> think about this. You know, this was put out not too long from when the Simon Sinek one was put out. Uh-huh. Can you um, imagine they have two different studios? <laughs> They're filming both of these simultaneously. Oh, the, the audience walks out at the end of the day. You'll never guess what I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And number 10. Number 10 was a big closer. Number 10 was the 10 things you need to know. So number 10 is like a big closer. Like the top 10. Number 10 was, but it sure is exciting. Which basically is a runoff from number 9. Studying it is not easy, but number 10, it's exciting. Like, it, this, this goes back to the first thing I said about the gift platforms to people who might not actually have anything to say. Again, I don't want to even attack Mary Reach, but who thought it was a good idea to call this presentation the 10 things you need to know about orgasm? 10 things you need to you didn't know about orgasm. Okay, tell me these 10 things. Like six of them are the same. Like she starts one sentence and then leaves off and then the next point you need to know is a continuation of that one <laughs> so number nine is studying about orgasms in the lab is difficult yeah number 10 is but it's exciting like 
come on. How? She didn't say anything. So, I, I wonder if it's it's a consequence of um, trying to fit in basically what she had in the, the structure because <coughs> normally the TED Talks are very like linear and story based mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. have trouble remembering lists. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they tried to, they, they let her make a list, but they all have to run together more like they're a story. And it, I think that just doesn't fit. I, I really don't know. And, and guys, I know I'm recommending this, and I know I'm going to hate myself for doing this. It's about 20 minutes long. So you were in for a long ride for nothing. <laughs> it, 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 and it's, it's, it's part of the 25 top talks. Like, it's amazing. It's like... People don't, people are not watching it and it's not getting the clicks because of what people learn from it. But because once you see the title, it's mm -hmm. like, I mm -hmm. need to know mm -hmm. about this. That's clickbait. It's clickbait. <laughs> Basically, this is, and, and this is when Ted was very young, in 2009. I'm sure they were like, let's give talks that will draw people to these. Because 10 things to know about orgasms and pigs and all that I think <laughs> woman up. like what the like why would you say this yeah I'm, I'm sure she didn't have any 10 jokes about orgasm <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and funny enough she, she, she has a book so this is basically a talk that's based on her book so if you if you need a talk to listen to reach for this one yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one and the funny thing is whenever I was watching it and I saw her name I was like, that's a funny one, because she's talking about orgasms, and her name is Mary Reach. So we thought Mary was going to make us reach it, but <laughs> hey, come on. So yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're down 20 minutes to spare, if you're going to pick up a friend that he's no taking way. forever, no just, just watch this way. in the car while you wait. It will make you more pissed when your friend shows up <laughs> like 20 minutes later. You're like, why are you even mad? Ah, I watched the video and it's even more upsetting than you being late. Okay, I just want to say, I, I think we know why Kojo was late this morning now. Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing in the car? Yeah. I, I was watching Mary Reach's presentation. Were you trying to reach? Not in my car. Okay. Probably. But if, yeah. Probably. I, I'm not even going to continue this one. I'm not going to continue this I one. I leave, I leave yeah. my, my listeners to, to judge this one. But yeah, that, that's probably one of the... And, and it's not the only one. I'm sure there are a handful of those where the title promises so much and then you watch it and you're like, Ugh, it's nothing like they said. So if you're listening, you can check it out. But I'm just giving you a hint and again i don't know what number one is maybe number one was a good one but she just kept that no, mary reach was reaching very far for these things <laughs> again it's the is the is the power of marketing right is the power of marketing people are so used to the 10 like the number 10 being like perfect like top 10 songs top 10 this 10 keys to this that because she clearly didn't have 10 things we didn't know about orgasm but she had to break it up into 10 things she had like four solid points she had nothing to do <laughs> nothing yeah but she had to make a top 10 list and i like 10 things i didn't know about orgasm and she talked about a woman who could she actually spoke to this woman in her research for her book who, who could be brought to orgasm by just stroking her eyebrows, eyebrows. <laughs> and and another woman who had an orgasm every time she brushed her teeth and she made the joke that you would think that this woman would have 
very decent oral hygiene. But <laughs> apparently, this woman gave up on brushing her teeth and now just uses mouthwash. Because mm. every time she brushes her teeth, she is just all over the place. It, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. There's so many interesting. But yeah, so these are some of the fun facts you pick up when you watch a video. There are a lot of interesting things, but her, her marketing ploy was a bust. Ten things you didn't know about orgasms and what she talked about. I mean, she would have just talked about ten weird medical conditions. It would have been fun. So yeah, this are, these are some of the TED Talks. And guys, we've had fun just going through some of these TED Talks. Now we're going to probably dive into the news. I know Chris is here. He's not been here for a while. So he hasn't given us a lot of the news from Ghana. And I know Efia is sitting next to me and she's so excited because Man City... <coughs> kind of did something we all expected mm-hmm. them to do <laughs> and i know if i don't get into sports today she's you going don't, to don't say you were you were expecting that because you had hopes i mean they want you had hopes that united i don't even know how you have hoped how they won the league a while ago i am not okay we'll get into the news all right. and when we get to man city we'll talk uh, justin let's get into the news uh, yeah so i saw that um uh, Congress is still trying to work with the president to pass the infrastructure plan. Mm. So I saw that the um, Republicans have been discussing, or the White House has been discussing an alternative plan with the Republicans that they would support. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they chopped mm-hmm. off like $400 billion in mm-hmm. spending. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard the Republicans still don't want to go along with it. They <laughs> so the plan they say is expensive. And so if they want to make changes... Would it be? Would they be satisfied if the money is changed? And it looks like they're not going to be satisfied. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any way this passes before uh, the midterms. I mean, it's a. It, it. The Republicans have been arguing about infrastructure and not really liking any of the plans since President Obama was president. Mm-hmm. Um, I, typically, they favor very um, private sector-like mm-hmm. oriented infrastructure mm-hmm. plans. Mm-hmm. The Democrats don't. Um, the Democrats obviously want a lot of. Um, "Quote unquote infrastructure proposals that are um, not infrastructure, right? And so, and, and I mean that goes all the way back to the stimulus plan under Obama mm-hmm. that was passed mm-hmm. in 2009. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of R and D proposals and mm-hmm. uh, things that, um, through the government's ability to to uh, foster innovation mm-hmm. and science and technology, mm-hmm. were um, good in the long run, but they weren't seen as infrastructure or stimulus in the short run." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just something they're probably not going to agree on. Um, and I think it's for the Democrats, you know, going into the midterms saying we need to pass this infrastructure plan. It's going to be something that they rally around and the Republicans are going to rally around saying we stopped unnecessary spending. We've already had the stimulus. This would be too much spending. We want to support actual infrastructure. So I don't see anything happening before the midterms. Do you think there's a chance they run it through like they run the... In front of the stimulus package, though, I think it's possible. I think the uh, question is going to be, you know, uh, someone like Joe Manchin, who mm-hmm. was kind of mm-hmm. who was the swing vote on that. I is think I think it's two questions. One, you know, would he side with the Republicans for some reason, like because he wanted to be bipartisan? Two. Mm-hmm. The question is going to be for somewhere like West Virginia, that's historically a coal mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. traditional mm-hmm. energy state. Mm-hmm. Are there going to be things in the proposal that are kind of anathema to some of his supporters or even mm-hmm. some of the companies that are mm-hmm. in West Virginia? Mm-hmm. 
And so that could you know cause him to shift, which could kill the proposal. I, I, I don't know. The infrastructure plan, I know a lot of people's push back on it. Is it doesn't have a lot of traditional infrastructure. It's all, you know, policy, um, like um, welfare policies just shoved in there. And, and uh, critics would be like, take those things out. The things that are not traditional infrastructure, just take it out and write another bill, which we all know is not going to pass. And so it's either the Democrats hold their ground, keep this in, and have it blow up in their face, or modify it. And Right, I mean, I think a big lesson that the Democrats learned, if you look at um, something like the stimulus, right, and mm -hmm. their actions uh, this year versus 2009, in 2009, um, there was dispute among advisors how big the, the stimulus should, should be. be. Mm -hmm. Some advisors said, um, you know, you should keep it where it is now and uh, come back later. later. Some, some advisors said you just need to make it bigger overall. Mm -hmm. um, and then after it passed and the effects, you know, there was a general yeah. assumption that it yep. was a little too small. Mm -hmm. And so this time around, you know, they went bigger. Some of the same people in 2009, like Larry Summers being one of mm -hmm. them, who said, oh, it's too big mm -hmm. or don't go bigger. Now they're saying it's too, it was too big again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But had the Democrats waited, they would not have been able to get anything get else it. through. And and again, the I think for Biden, this becomes a lot personal, right? Because he was in charge of that economic plan, right? That did not pass, and so or was too small. So now he's just like, I'm going to go as big as I can. But my thing is, there are ways to get these things done. I feel he he makes it look as though this is going to be the last big bill he might get through. And a lot of people believe he got the stimulus package, he might not get another thing. And so, I don't know. I, I think it's big. I think there's a lot of, like the childcare stuff and all that. I mean, that's the infrastructure. Change my pipelines, fix the roads, fix the bridges, I'm good. Build nice airports. I mean, we can't complain, but you know, nice airports would be good. But yeah, Trump says the airports in America look like third, third world, world countries. Yeah. I'm like, which third world country have you been to? You know. But yeah, I think we could, we could. I, they would be more successful if they took some of the things out. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think kind of part of it is just the. Um, the strategy of it, I think, if you had, uh, if you had more support in Congress and you wanted mm -hmm. to argue with the American people and say, oh, you should support this additional proposal, you know, 60% of Americans support the, the the additional child tax credit or whatever, you could you could do that. There would be some kind of system to get that public support to translate to congressional support. The way it is now, um, that process just doesn't work that way. There's such a slim majority to actually pass it. Mm -hmm that I think the strategy turns into, if we put it into one package and it's broadly about infrastructure, that's something you can get people behind. Maybe. Um, Maybe. I, I don't think you know having it as a separate proposal would you, work. You would have the same majority yeah. to do it, yeah. yeah. I agree, I agree with that. I think we'd let the Democrats and the Republicans worry about this infrastructure bill. <laughs> Hopefully we can get an infrastructure bill for Ghana, mm. which Chris is going to be working on. Chris, any good news, just one, one news item. What, what happened what with happened the yeah new new, yeah. new doses so came through? Yeah. I think what two hundred thousand? Yeah, oh, that's finally. good. Yeah, so people are, have started getting their second shots. Uh, yeah, I know a couple of friends who have gotten their second shot. Uh, new shots came through, which is good. Uh, I don't know if it, it was helped any by the improvement in. It does not come from India, right? 
Do you know where this one came from? And I hear um, MTN also helped get some more doses, which we didn't mention. Really? So initially there were 600,000 doses and I think MTN Global said all the countries that had MTN in them, they, so they brought some extra vials, oh, wow. so which, which was good. Um, corporate social responsibility at its finest, mm -hmm. right? There's some good things coming out of there. And I know there's some Chinijuna story, but we won't get into that. <laughs> if yeah, I think we're too tired for Man Boy, City. But, but we all know we won. But I'm going to go around the room and take predictions for the Champions League final and the Europa League final. So there are two main finals coming up <laughs> next week. And before we record our next episode, we might record on the Saturday, but we never know. But we're going to take predictions. So we're going to go around the room and take predictions for Manchester United versus Villarreal. I'm going to start with Ifia. Ifia, Man U Villarreal, who wins? And, and what's the I score? I don't want to say Man United because, you know, we don't... So what's the score? I know. I know you know Man, Man United. I know you guys might. You have a chance. So what's your score? <laughs> Give me a score line. 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one, Man United. Yeah. Okay. Not against. So 2-1 for Man United. Yeah. Um, Chris? Yeah, I'll go for a 3-1 for Man United. 3-1? Yeah. Thank you. 3-1. Justin? Um, I'm going to say uh, Man United, and I'm going to defer to Nana on the score. <laughs> <laughs> I say Man United 2-0. Rashford, Two nil. Rashford goal, Bruno Fernandez penalty. Give there you go. Point. You see, that's a man with balls. He literally just gave us the score line and the scores. <laughs> so, guys, you had it here first. Nana said Champions League final, <laughs> the Europa League final, is going to be two goals to zero for Manchester United, and Rashford that, and Bruno are going to score the goals. I am going to say, man, you. I can't be bold enough to give a score line. <laughs> But now the big one, the one everybody cares about. I know nobody cares about Manchester oh United. Boy. So Manchester City and Chelsea. Man City, Chelsea. I'm going to start with Nana. Who do you think wins and what do you think the scoreline is going to be? It's going to be a tough one, honestly. But I see Chelsea surprising everyone, edging it out with a 1-0 victory. 1-0 Chelsea, guys. Nana, are you going to try and take a stab at who scores? No, that would <laughs> 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 Timo Werner, that would that'd be that a very be. interesting conclusion to yeah. the season. But yeah, so Nana says 1-0 Chelsea. It, it's ballsy, man. It's ballsy. But hey, hey, Justin, Man City, Chelsea. Okay, I know even less about this matchup than the last one. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to my left. I'm going to go to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well done. All right, Chris. Well, I think I'll go for a 2-1 for Chelsea. 2-1 for Chelsea. Yeah. I have two Chelsea predictions in this place. <laughs> like, you guys are really ballsy, man. I, I, I love that. I love that. So, 2-1 Chelsea. Yeah. Are you going to take a stab at who scores? I think Mount and Kante. Kante! That's going to be a good one. If Kante scores and wins the Champions League, that's going to be a fun one. If yeah, <laughs> you're the only Man City fan in the I room, know. and it looks like it's going against you. Everybody is saying you're going to lose. Well, that's the opinion, but we all know the Champions. League. But the only time I've watched the Champions League game with you, the team you were supporting lost <laughs> back. I know. I won't watch. So that's why we're repeating this. No, I this time around I'm not gonna watch. I have but then I, we all know City is gonna win. You just want to be on the defensive side, mm. look like oh. 
I'm sub- just so if something happens, I said it. No, you didn't say it. <laughs> we all know City is going to win. I don't know if we all By know how many that. I can't really tell. It's going to be a very tough match because I know to show whatever he calls himself has been to two finals already with PSG. He lost, and now here he's going to do everything in his power. But Gadjola needs this. Mm, I don't know about Gadjola. And Gadjola has not been to any final, as we know. He has not been to any final and lost. And lost. No, so, it has never happened. So Nana no. is well aware that I put my bets in this one long ago. I think I put my bets down like two weeks ago, yeah, maybe? A couple, weeks ago. a couple of weeks ago, I just put $200 on Man City. That's how confident I am. And after watching Man City today and watching Chelsea, which every time, whenever we're engaged in this discussion, I was like, I want to see how the season ends. ends yeah. And seeing how the season ends, I told Nana today, and I'm going to say it on the podcast, by the 60th minute, we would know conclusively who's won the title. By 60 minutes. I don't think City is going to go till the end of the first half to show us. They're going to beat them mercilessly. It's going to be like a 5-1 or six. It's going to be a thrashing. Like you guys have not seen. It's going to be like Tottenham, Tottenham versus Liverpool. Because what I saw today from Man City, they're ready. Psychologically, mentally, they, they've won. They, they are in that championship. And, and a lot of people don't know. That's what carried Manchester United to victory in 99. They won the league. They won the FA Cup, so when they were going to Barcelona, they had this air of championships around them. Chelsea made it to the FA Cup final. If they had won that, maybe they lost that, and since then they've been shaky since. They've not really regained their They even lost to Aston Villa. They lost to Aston Villa. How do you lose to Aston Villa? And no, the funny no, but the funny thing is no, but the funny thing is listen. Today Chelsea had to show us they were ready. Today he played as full strength squad. And it is the match where you win to qualify for the Champions League. Win it, so to them it was like a cup final. And they had to rely twice on they've <laughs> had cup finals and they've bottled it. I feel uh, if if so I they didn't make it to the no, they qualified because Leicester Leicester No, no, but 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 this is my thing with Chelsea, right? You have to show that winning mentality. Tuchel has to be able to coach these guys. Guardiola is as vi- uh, as vicious as he is in finals. Like he is playing, like he doesn't take anything for granted. And I feel he's going to really show up. And look, um, De Bruyne and all these Man City I players will. are winners. Those guys I are will. serial winners. And they've been waiting for this for a long time. I feel Sheikh Mansour is going to have a Champions League trophy in his cabinet by next Sunday. And so I predict Man City winning and winning big. It's not even going to be close. <laughs> I don't even think it's going to be like a 2 1 or something. It's, oh it's going to be a whitewashing. And I told Nana, if by the 60th minute Chelsea is up by 3 0, I'd still put my money on Man City. <laughs> because I don't know about Chelsea, but I know they're going to find a way to mess it up. <laughs> I, I can't trust those boys. So, yeah, that is my prediction. And, guys, it's been a great episode. And I've really enjoyed talking about TED Talks and so many other things with the crew. But once again, it's Kojo, Chris, Efianan, and Justin from the tribe. And it's been a good show. But from the tribe, it's... <laughs>